You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. share today about walking in presence, promise, provision, and protection. And, you know, God is a God of promise, and that is what he has been really speaking to me. Um, His word never falls void to the ground, and he will fulfill all the promises he has spoken over you. He will. That is his promise to us, and I read it at the opening of the service. But we've been facing some pretty incredible challenges since beginning of March, uh, trying to figure out how all this works. And honestly, uh, I just feel like we're on high alert all the time, trying to adjust and adapt to what the new information is. And in that process, honestly, and I'm going to just talk about me, there is stress that comes with it. There is uh, uncertainty. There is just crazy stuff. Like Chuck said, we were up there. I was officiating my niece's wedding and it was beautiful and wonderful. We had an amazing time, but uh, I was super stressed out Saturday morning trying to figure out if I was going to be able to do it Saturday night. That's why we went and got tested. We were super stressed out about that. I was. Chuck was not. He just kept saying, it's okay, baby. And I knew, I knew in my heart it was okay. I knew in my heart it was okay. But there was a process going through my brain of trying to figure out if it's not okay, then what do I do next? You know, that type of thing. And to be honest with you, one of my biggest concern was, uh, was my little grandbaby. Because I've been holding her, I've been taking care of her, going over there. So that definitely was a concern, as well as, you know, I committed to do this wedding. And um, I figured we just might have to do an instant ordination (laughs) so someone could actually do the wedding. So, you know, all these things are going through my mind. And then on top of that, coming home several times, we had protesters in the streets in St. Pete, at least where we are. And, you know, you're driving, you're trying to go home and they're in the street and you're trying to figure out what do I do? Am I safe? Because we had had some rioting too. So, you know, there's just a lot of things going on around us that are outside of our norm. You know, for some people that live maybe in different countries that are having struggles, it might be within their norms, but it's almost like the enemy has, uh, has shaken uh, his tool bag on top of us trying to distract us, upset us, uh, try to, you know, take us off guard. You know, we've got, we've had riots, we've had spikes of COVID, we've had all kinds of stuff. And uh, last week I was, when was it? I don't know, in the last couple of days, I've been talking to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, what is it you want us to do and how do you want us to do, do it? And all he said was, trust me. I didn't get a four-page plan. I didn't get a one-sentence plan, you know, do this, do that. So it wasn't like immediate answer to my question. He just said, trust 
me. And there was something in those two words that really, um, I don't know if it just struck my heart or reminded my brain. I'm not sure what happened, but I felt like, okay, God, all of these things that are going on around us are just things. They affect our lives, they affect our finances, they affect our health, but our eyes are on you. We have to trust you. I have to trust you. And you know, inside you feel like, well, I do trust you, but there is a tactical, logistical process of what we have to do. You know, even going to the grocery store is a huge logistics. I went to the grocery store a Friday morning and they have all the aisles marked up one way down the other. And of course I go up the wrong aisle because I'm looking for something. I'm not looking down at the ground. I mean, it's just like chaos all around us. And uh, so I just want to talk about this a little bit about God's presence, his promise, his provision, and his protection. And I've been in Genesis, in a, a certain section of Genesis, for uh, almost two weeks now. It's just every day, God's like, go back and read it again. Go back and read it again. And every time I do, there's just so much drawn out of it. And I, I just want to share it. We're just going to talk a little bit about it. And... Um, you know, just talk about God's presence, his promise. Uh, he's the God who answers us because he hears what we're saying. He hears us and he answers us. He's the God of favor. He has favor that he's released over us. He's the God of transformation. In this season of where we are, he's transforming us to a whole different level of leaning into him in order to move forward. Because in this type of situation, we could easily get stuck trying to figure out what to do, but God is just with us and teaching us to lean into his presence so that we know exactly what to do and when to do it. It's that step-by-step. -step. Um, so anyhow, we're gonna start in Genesis 24. We're just gonna talk a little bit about Isaac and, and Rebecca, and then uh, go from there. But we're going to start in Genesis 24. And Abraham has sent his servant, Eliezer, to go find his son, Isaac, a wife. And I love this. And you know, you know how you know stories and you've heard stories and you think you've, oh yeah, I know that story. But when you go back and read it, there's these little significant words that the Lord reminds you of or things you hadn't seen before. And there were several things in here that, you know, I just had kind of forgotten. But he sends Eliezer to uh, go find Isaac a, a wife. And what is so funny is in Genesis 15, Abraham is asking God, so is Eliezer going to be my heir? Because I have no children. And so Eliezer has been with Abraham forever, you know, almost since the beginning, maybe even the beginning of his journey, but for a long time. And as God has promised Abraham that your, your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in heaven, he still asked God, is Eliezer going to be it? 
But that's where, you know, Abraham just kept leaning into God and God responds to him. No, it's not going to be Eliezer, but what I've told you, what I've promised you will come about. And of course he gets Isaac. So Isaac is grown. He sends him out to um, find him a wife. And I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. I don't know if you guys have the new Genesis out of the Passion Translation. It, it's it's really good. Uh, we have some at church, so maybe when we get back together, if you want one, you can get one there. But he sends him out, and I'm just going to start in verse five. Um, so he sends him out and says, you know, make sure you go to my relatives. You know, don't go to where the where we are now because they are not my people. Go to my relatives. Go to my my brother Nahor's people, and and find a wife out of there. And the servant asked him, suppose the woman is not willing to come with me to this land. Should then I take your son back to the native land? Absolutely not, Abraham said. Make sure that you do not take my son back there. And this is the part I just want to emphasize a little bit because Abraham says, for Yahweh, the Lord of heaven, took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth. And he spoke to me and solemnly promised that he would give this land to my descendants. I know he will send his angel before you so that you can find a wife for my son there. So Abraham has encountered God in so many ways that he, the confidence in God fulfilling what God said he's going to do is something that he can reassure his servant that he will send an angel before him. And even in a couple of chapters earlier, uh, when Abraham's about to sacrifice Isaac and the angel of the Lord shows up, the angel of the Lord reminds Isaac, I mean, reminds Abraham, and I just want to read one little phrase out of it. You don't have to turn to it. But he reminds Abraham that he's going to bless him and his seed's going to be numerous as the stars in heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And this is the key verse, because we'll see this again. Your offspring will take possession of the city gates and of the enemies and of their enemies because you obeyed me. And what's, and we'll, I want y'all to keep that in the back of your head because we'll talk about that again. So, so Eleazar goes and he, he's at the place he should be. He's at the well. And it's funny because uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but, you know, I went through Genesis from Abraham's start and God repeated himself over and over to Abraham what the promise was. It wasn't like he told Abraham the promise in the very beginning and then just made and then just figured Abraham would remember Every time there was a challenge, every time there was a question, God would just remind Abraham, this is my promise to you. I will fulfill that promise. And in this season, I, I really think we, we have to get our promises out there. We have to remember what God has what has promised us. And, and even if there are areas we don't remember, we just ask God, remind us of the full promise. Remind us in this challenge, what is the promise you've given us? Um, and I love that. He is the God of promise. He repeats himself over and over again. Now, when we repeat ourselves to each other, we say, oh, yeah, you already told me that. Don't we? But when God repeats it, 
It's because it is so important that we don't miss that impartation in our spirit, that, that our hearts, our minds, our, our emotions are connected so deeply with that promise that when something comes against our promise, it, it comes out of us because God has spoken it to us so many times. He is a God of promise and he is a God of presence. And as uh, Eleazar is at the well and he's um, waiting because he knows that the, the women come out at that time, I'm going to go to verse 11. It says, he and his camels knelt by the well outside the village. It was evening, the time when the women came out to draw the well, and he prayed. And he said, Yahweh God of my master Abraham, let my journey be a success and show me your gracious love to my master Abraham. I am standing here by the well and the young women of the village are coming out to draw the water. Give me a sign. I will say to one of the girls, please lower your jar and give me a drink. And if she is the right one, the girl whom you have chosen to be the wife of your servant Isaac, then let her say to me, drink, and I will also draw water for your camels. By this sign, I will know that you have shown your gracious love to my master. So here comes this beautiful Rebecca up to the well. And he asked her for this drink. He asked her exactly what he, he said to God. And he says, Suddenly, before he even finished praying, here comes um, here comes Rebecca. Before he before he even finished getting the words out of his mouth, God hears and He answers us. The exact thing happened. She said, "Not only will I give you a drink, my Lord." Um, this is verse. Uh, 18, I think it says. I can't really read it. She responded, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly lowered the jar, gave him a drink. And then she said, I will also draw your camels until they have finished drinking. And so here was his sign. Here was the confirmation of the sign. Here was the confirmation that the Lord not only heard him, but responded to what he heard. Here's the God of presence and promise bringing forth what he had given to Abraham from the very beginning, right in front of his servant's eyes. And, and on top of that, they get it all worked out. Rebecca's going to go with them. You know, Laban's a part of it, which of course Laban comes on later on as, as a little bit more of a challenge to Jacob, but they're going to let her go. And this is what they bless Rebecca with. And it's the words that the angel of the Lord blessed Abraham with. And this is in verse uh, chapter 24. And this is in, in verse, uh, gosh, I wish I could see these, these numbers. Huh. Uh, I think it's 60. Yeah. It says, as she departed, they blessed her with these words. Our dear sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. Now, this is what the Lord has been speaking to Abraham all along. And, and his family gives a prophetic blessing over Rebekah that goes with the same blessing that is for their lineage, for their family, uh, for their future, for their destiny. Same thing. May your descendants gain possession of the city gates of their foes. So Rebecca is taking back the same anointing 
that Abraham carries for the future of the nations. Think about what God has spoken to you. Think about the anointing that he has blessed over you, over your family, what he has spoken over your children and your children's children to come. You know, what are the promises that he's given your lineage and, and your destiny and, and uh, that you're going to pay forward for future generations? I mean, when we really think about that, we have been given this blessing from the bosom of Abraham. We have been given that same blessing that we will possess the gates of our enemy. We will overtake what the enemy owns that belongs to God. And I, I just have been so overwhelmed by that thought process because we know that the enemy has hammered us as a people. He has come against us with such uh, voracious fury against us. But God has promised that we will possess those gates and that where the enemy has tried to take us out, he has given us purpose. He's given us perseverance. He's given us tenacity to take back everything the enemy has tried to take from us. So we will possess the gates of our enemy. And so Isaac has this incredible encounter with Rebecca. And what I love about this is they fell deeply in love with each other. It was just this uh, romantic, wonderful blessing of love over them. It's, I just love that about that. And so Isaac meets Rebecca and, and they go on uh, about their lives. And we're going to go to Genesis 26, uh, verse one through five. And I want to talk a little bit about the territory and taking that territory and how do we respond to the enemy's attacks. Um, and we're going to go in verse 26 and there's a famine in the land. Um, verse one, it says another famine struck the land like the one in Abraham's time. And uh, so Isaac goes into the land of the Philistines. He goes into a land, according to God, this is where he sent him. And he, verse three says, live as a foreigner there and my presence will be with you. I promise to bless you for I will give all the lands to you and your descendants. I will fulfill the oath. I swore to your father, Abraham. And here comes the word again. Here comes the promise again. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will one day give them all the lands. I will bless all the nations of the earth through your offspring, because Abraham was faithful. He listened to my voice, and he yielded his heart to follow my direction. He kept my commandments and instructions and my teaching. So Isaac settled, and he has an encounter with uh the king of Benelik, and they have different issues there. But this is kind of where I wanted to press into. You know, there's famine in the land. Um, there is a, uh, I love it, when there's a challenge, it's almost like the promise God gives us uh, trumps the challenge that's in front of us. And as he comes to this challenge, it says that, uh, this is verse 30, uh, 12, it says, Isaac planted crops in the land, and in the same year he reaped a hundredfold harvest, for Yahweh greatly blessed him. Not only that, he grew richer and richer until he was extremely wealthy. Well, here's a famine, 
but it doesn't matter what our circumstances are in front of us. God's promise will override any circumstance in front of us because here's a famine and what happens? Isaac continues to sow. He sowed his seed into the ground and God supernaturally blessed it with abundance. And not only did he do that, he made Isaac richer and richer until he extremely wealthy. So he made him richer. He made him wealthy. Everything he touched was abundance. And what happens in that abundance? The enemy is coming after him because they're jealous. They don't like what's happening to Isaac. They want to take what he has. And what does Isaac do? You know, sometimes Isaac departs from that domain. Sometimes when we're faced with the enemy coming against us, sometimes God calls us to battle and sometimes God calls us to depart. Not every battle that's in front of us is for us to fight. Sometimes God has a different plan for us. And if we stay in fight, then it distracts or delays or deters us from the plan that God has for us. So one of the things we have to do in this season is, where's my battle, Lord? And where the enemy's coming against me, what do you want me to do? You want me to press into the battle? Do you want me to stand and let you take care of the battle? Do you want me to walk away? And Abraham, I mean, Isaac sees this over and over. And, you know, as I was going through my own battle, my mental battle, my emotional battle, God said, I want you to trust me. All the other stuff, forget it. Just trust me. Um, So anyhow, I just feel like that is something uh, very powerful for us to hold on to in this season. So Isaac goes on and, you know, he's in this land, still in the Philistine territory and he's reopening the wells of his father he's re his father abraham he's reopening the living water of his father he's reopening something that abraham had done so he's reopening these wells and as he reopens the philistines uh, this is verse 16 uh had stopped up after Abraham's death. So he's reopening in the Philistines, sorry, Abraham's death, the Philistines go in and plug up everything that's supposed to be his. He's reopening. And what happens? There is a fight that comes against him. So here's another battle that the enemy brings to him. And in the Passion Translation, the first battle, he calls it the well of argument because of the sharp contention. And when I was doing a little research, these, these enemy attacks against them were uh, at some point like fistfights. They were really battling over this territory. But what does Isaac do? The first well, he, he walks away from. He's like, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. The second well, his people un- unearthed, becomes a well of hostility. Again, fighting for his territory. And what does he do? He walks away from it. He pulls up stake. He walks away from it. But the third well that he comes, he names it spacious. He says, finally, this is verse 22. Finally, Yahweh has made ample room for us and we will become prosperous in the land. 
It's kind of like that Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. And I know that's super corny, but that is really what I felt like the Lord was showing me in this particular scripture is there are times that we're going to fight. There's times we're going to step back and then there's time we're going to walk away. And if Isaac hadn't walked away from that, he wouldn't have walked into the spacious place that God had prepared for him to spread out, to take the territory, and to be prosperous. And sometimes when we when we walk away from what we feel like the enemies come against us and we want to take that back, when, when we don't walk away, we miss the next step that God has for us. And God has that spacious place for us. And, and the, it's so great in verse 23, it says, from there, Isaac moved his camp to Beersheba. That very night, Yahweh appeared before him and said, and he could say, God, I've heard this before. He said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. You will never need to fear for I am with you and I will greatly bless you. Your children will flourish and succeed because of the promises I have given Abraham. We're in a promise season where we're seeing the promises come forward and it, it is actually coming forward in ways we wouldn't have expected. It's unfolding in ways we wouldn't have expected. Um, I was even thinking about, you know, the healing that's happening as, as Rivka was sharing earlier. You know, it's just, God is just moving in this sovereign way in our lives and we're in awe and wonder because it's not the way we've seen him move before, but it's a, it's a way that he's moving now in this kind of flow, this fluid move of us with him and him with us. And that reminder, that remembrance that he is present and he has promised and he will protect us. He showed Isaac exactly how to be protected. You move away from what the enemy's doing. You don't get into a battle over it because I have a spacious place for you to go, for you to prosper, and for you to spread out in the territory I have for you. That is such a good word from the Lord, isn't it? So I just wanted to ask everybody, and we're, then we're going to pray. I'm going to end with verses 23 through 25, but um, where are you being challenged by the enemy that's uh, creating an argument even in your spirit, trying to figure out in your, in your emotions, in your mind, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out what to do, or is creating hostility, or even is creating this uh, contentiousness uh, against you, or, and stirring this, um, even a, a, a contentiousness within you. Are there places where the enemy is trying to provoke you into a fight with him that God doesn't have for you? So even as you pray for that, and God, you may not have anything. It may be something down the road where the enemy comes and you'll be like, aha, I know that the enemy's trying to provoke me from moving into the promise that God has for me, from moving into that spacious place that God has set for me, from moving into the prosperity, uh, into the relationships, into the things that he has said he's going to give to me. So where are those places that the enemy's trying to trap you into a battle that may not be yours?
And what is the promise that God has spoken over you that covers the battle that the enemy's trying to provoke you into? So that's what we're ending with, is that promise of God that he'll be with us, that he's going to bless us. He's going to flourish and create success for us and our children and our children's children and the generations to come because of the promises that he's given us. So I want to pray over us those promises. I want to stir up anything that we don't remember. God, just stir it up in us. God, where there is an enemy attack against us, God, right now I'm asking for revelation and I'm asking you to show us, do we stay in the fight? Do we stand because you're going to fight it? Or do we move to a different territory? Because Lord, you have given us a territory that you continually move us into. And I just want to declare over us, just like with Isaac, that uh, we are sowing in the land that you've given us. We are digging the wells that you point us to. And where the enemy has come in against us, you're showing us exactly how do we move in order to move into this next realm of promise answered uh, from uh, the enemy's attack to keep us distracted. And Lord, I just thank you for healing over us, healing over our families. God, I thank you for multiplication and provision. God, I thank you that what the assignment is of the enemy we just cancel it right now. We just uh, cut it with the sword of the spirit. We do not allow it to uh, succeed at all. And Lord, we just thank you that you have promised and your presence is with us and you will protect and provide for us every step of the way. And the enemy will not be able to get any traction in this season. So we just declare that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.